I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Austin Healy and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcome Bath legend Stuart Hooper to look ahead to the return of the Aviva Premiership as well as discuss a turbulent few weeks in the rugby world. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight Insights analysis from Ben Kay, Martin Bayfield, Sarah Elgin and our studio guest. Give it up for Stuart Hooper. How are you? Great, thanks. Yeah, really good. Yeah, good. retirement, feeling the body sort of piecing itself back together. Yeah, it's been good. It's been, uh, yeah, as you say, nice to just wake up on a Sunday morning and not roll out of bed. I can actually climb out of bed and get on with the day, so it's been good. Some big questions to ask you. The new job, how we've covered how your body is feeling now, but the most important one, have you sold your house? <laughs> getting there now. <laughs> have you sold your house? We, got, we, we, we saw this. Um, great description of, your, of your, your place. It says it has a man cave. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's entirely true. What but, does a man um, cave look like? I have no you... idea. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm intrigued as well. I have no idea, but... Uh, I'm Got surprised vaulted, the picture worked. Vaulted master suite. A vaulted master suite. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. It sounds Excellent. fantastic. But it's a good news. Has it sold? Has it gone? Yes. Yeah. He sold his house, ladies and gentlemen. He sold his house. Just done. <laughs> yeah, no, they are ridiculously happy for you, sorry, yes. Um You're involved in uh, also making sure that the young guys coming through now, that they, they are up to speed. Um, the younger, younger players now, they're grabbing the attention not just at Bath but at other clubs. It seems that you know, the professional game is really bringing through these guys now. What's the quality like compared to when you would have started off the game now, these young boys? Yeah, I think it's changed immeasurably, if I'm honest. And I think that a lot of that's down to the schooling system, the academy systems, the guys coming out of um, you know, uh, school at 18, uh, uh, physical uh, specimens now as, as well as good rugby players. So um, it's, it's all been accelerated and I think careers are going to get shorter um, due to the fact that these systems are much better and just think it's so important that we um, capture these young guys early and, and take them on a journey not just through their rugby but through life as well. So what does your job now entail? Are you still in your tracksuit or are you soup now? Are you a bit no it's kind of broadly split in, in two areas really it's um, the first one is a lot of the operations around the rugby department so um, working with all the different departments medical, S&C, analysis um, and then obviously the academy as well um, and then the other part of it, the player development part, is, is, as I just mentioned, really getting hold of those young guys early, building a relationship with them, building their relationship with the club so that they can, they can be Bath men for a long, long time, right from, a, right from a young age through to the first team and beyond, yeah. You've got a new boss now? New Top boss, yeah. 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 Um, things seem to be going pretty well. If we lost one match all season, what, what has he brought to it? Why, why, are, we, why are we seeing the, the, the good in Bath this season that maybe we didn't see last? Yeah, I think um, obviously Todd and Tabai have come in um, towards the end of pre-season and, and they have been fantastic. 
but a lot of the credit has to go to the players because before that they were there was a period when obviously Mike had gone and, and there was nobody named in charge and I think if you're sitting down now to write a plan of, of how you would do it you probably wouldn't plan in that that period but when I look back on it I actually think it was a hugely important time for the guys um, they were fantastic to a man they sort of stood up and said you know what if we're going to look for an excuse for this not to work, we can probably find one. But if we take responsibility um, and we decide to do this and we, take, you know, we stand up and say we're going to make it work, then it will. And, and you know, credit to them, they've been fantastic. Todd and Tabs have come in and really picked up the baton and, and added their own touches to things, which has been fantastic. I think the best thing to do, actually, is to have a director of rugby and bring in your next director of rugby without telling that director of rugby, <laughs> leave it for a couple of weeks and then kick him out. <laughs> Always the best way as a club. It's the best way. I mean, it's the best way what of development. What are you alluding to? Like, I wasn't alluding to oh, anything. Okay, I just okay, think that's the best it. way of obviously managing a squad. Before we go on to the, ser <laughs> <laughs> Before we go on to the serious bit, uh, elephant in the room, Todd Blackadder. I mean... Is he? He's not. <laughs> no, he's not. But I haven't yet heard this season anyone really piling into that tremendous surname. Please, I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like, Ben, when you were playing, if one of your coaches had been called Blackadder. Please tell me, at some point, even if just once, there was a little bit of Blackadder reference, a little Blackadder Baldrick referencing. I wish I could tell you there was, but there hasn't been. There was a. There was disappointing. A, before we turned showing up, showing your age, none of the players were alive. <laughs> yeah. when yeah. was on the they don't remember Blackadder. But it's disappointing. It's just a funny name. You now got Toby Todd and Tabs. They'll have something from CBBC. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get on to the important thing. Let's get on to the, which, which Austin, as subtle as he usually is, mentioned Mike Ford taking over in a sort of Machiavellian way down in Toulon. One, are you surprised? And two, more importantly. What's he going to bring to Toulon that maybe they're lacking? Yeah, I think, you know, I know nothing of the uh, politics behind uh, Toulon Rugby Club, but I think for Mike it's a fantastic opportunity to put his stamp on, you know, what is probably the best squad of players in the world. Um, he's, he's obviously, you know, he's shown his ability to, to coach a team with us over the years and, and, and the, the work he did with us, particularly in 14-15. So um, I wish him all the best and hope it goes really, really well for him. Well, Gavin Mortimer, who we speak to very regularly, is our, our contact with French rugby. And good heavens knows we need someone with a contact in French rugby to try and uh, unpick what goes on. He's just said, just spoken to my Toulon mole. Apparently it was the senior players who really forced the issue last week. They got together and said enough is enough and demanded Ford take control because the coaching had become a joke. Simon Shaw, of course, who formerly played at Toulon, this is what he said, the rugby world is constantly bemoaning the actions, behaviours of its football counterparts. It does little to prevent following in its steps. Um, Austin, it doesn't matter how good a player you are, you need to be coached well. And if players of that quality are saying the coaching is not good enough, then clearly there was something wrong. Yeah, well, all clubs are led by their senior player group. They're maybe a director of rugby, but if it's not going particularly well, it's usually the senior players that take over and, and move the club where they want it to go. I mean, this whole situation has just been bad management from the top. You can't blame Mike Ford. You can't blame Dominguez. It's all from the president down, from Murad. And if he didn't like Dominguez, he should have got rid of him straight away and put Fordy in charge because there was a, a mix of ideologies when he arrived. Uh, there was obviously a language barrier between the pair of them. So it, was, it wasn't really going to work. And if the Toulon way is to be believed that Dominguez was following, which was very, um, chuck the ball on the field, go and play, guys, senior players eventually want to get better. No matter how good they are, no matter how many caps they've got, they want some direction. And Fordy comes in with a little bit of a framework, the players are going to latch on we, to we that. Did, we don't know whether it's more just spinning, but when he brought Ford in, he, or even before then, he said he'd always been a, a fan of the way Bath had played. And, and 
the attack hasn't been particularly good for Toulon, aside that, and Morad's very big on the entertainment. He wants big crowds there and, and to play attacking rugby. And perhaps, as Austin said, the framework wasn't there, so he brought him in. But, um, you know, the, the, the danger is you've got to get that balance Shaw's he was talking about right. Yes, you've got to give people enough time and you've got to make sure that if they can give the answers of how you're going to get better, you let them do it and you give them a bit of time to do it. But if those answers for Morad, and we all know he's a bit mad, aren't coming and he doesn't believe, then don't hold on to a guy for any longer than you need to if you've got someone to replace them because you know, often we're guilty of holding on too long and then suddenly it falls even further and the new guy coming in has to, has to do more to, to rectify it. Yeah, absolutely. You've got some big names who know a lot about the world of rugby in the, in the squad and they'll want to make sure they've got the right people. It puts pressure on too long right from the word go. Round two of the Champions Cup saw teams jostling for position. OK, so let's go back to pool one then and see how the land lies there. Um, Munster... Top it with five points after their emotionally charged performance on the weekend. Glasgow stay in second and Leicester, um, four points picked up against Racing Metro and Racing on the bottom. They've only played one game so far, of course, as have Munster. Um, much better performance, Ben, from Leicester at the weekend, especially defensively, because that was the, kind of the main area that, that they were worrying about, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, in, in previous weeks when they haven't performed, they've almost been a bit standoffish in both attack and defence. They didn't really have much momentum in attack. Uh, perhaps just sort of relying on the open game plan that, that we all think they're going to play under Aaron Major. They came out early on in that game and, and played very direct rugby and um, that created a bit more space out wide for them. Um, so you've almost, you know, there's an old saying that you've got to earn the right to go wide. I'm not sure you always have to, but when things aren't going well, you need to get that momentum first. But I think it's a, a huge loss, particularly ahead of the weekend. They've got a huge game against Saracens. They lost a lot of bodies. Um, Matt Tamur, obviously, out for six months. The club have announced today because of a, a, a cruciate ligament injury. So what a three weeks he's had. <laughs> Coming in, injured Mike Williams in his first warm-up and then uh, obviously the tip tackle in the second week and then injures himself in the, in the third week. Uh, but they also lost Don Barrow as well, who's a, a big player for them, whether he'll be fit or not, but a concussion and Veanu as well. So if they can, can't get those guys back for, for Saracens, a place they've never won at Allianz Park, it, it'll be a tough ask. Uh, and Racing, Steve, I guess they just looked like a, like a French side playing away from home, didn't they? Yeah, they did a bit. It was kind of, a, like you say, a French team of old when they just come over to England to fulfil the fixture and then get back on the plane. But uh, it's surprising with, you know, with people like Dan Carter playing, but then uh, I think we've got to give credit to Leicester as well. Um, as Ben mentioned, their defence was fantastic and they, they went into that game to stop them playing and, and to play well themselves and they certainly did that. Let's have a look at Pool 2 because Conrad, they had a, a slow old start to the Pro 12, but they're absolutely flying out at the moment. Good news for them as well. Two big players have re-signed for them, Bundyaki and Alton Deland. They're on top there with nine points. Wasp with seven, Toulouse three, and Zebra down are zero. Um, ben, we look, we look at Toulouse and you think, what on earth are they doing there? But actually their European slide has been a very gentle, gradual one. When you look at that table, you think, Already, they're pretty much out of it, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you'd look with Zebra being in there as well that you're going to get two teams out of that group. Um, obviously, I think it was all or nothing for, for, for Toulouse in the first game. They, they almost got a dent in their uh, psychology having lost that game when they thought they might have won it in, in Connacht. Um, so I think they are going to struggle. And then if they do start to struggle, all their focus will be on, come on the top 14. So come the end you'll have Zebra and, and, and maybe Toulouse not trying quite as hard as, as we'd expect for them over, over there. So I'd expect two teams to come out of that group. But what, what a match-up we're going to have uh, when they both meet later on in the tournament. Yeah, two head-to-heads, well, certainly for, for Wasps and for, for Connor yeah. facing each other in those back-to-backs. Um, Austin, we're seeing a real steal now 
in Wasps. Big games, they've got the confidence to fight right to the end of the game because there was a moment there where you thought to lose their extra bulk and strength is going to take them through this, but not with Wasps these days. Yeah, they've got big game players now, guys that are used to delivering when the chips are down. Uh, obviously, we saw um, Gopeth with the kick right at the end of the game, uh, clinching it for them at... at but I just think that they've, when they come up against a side that is very physically strong, a sort of Saracens or a Clement, we saw them lose to Saracens earlier on in the season. Saracens had to fight their way to win that game. So Wasps are getting that physicality back. And let's not forget, they're losing, they've lost a lot of players to injury. So there's so much talent to come back into that squad. And that makes them really a favourite, I think, one of the favourites in both competitions, both in the Aviva and the Champions Cup, because you think of some of the talent that could come in and really bolster their squad when the squad gets a bit tired around Christmas, January time. They're definitely someone to watch. Now, a bit of news broke today, which I have to say made my blood boil a little bit. Fabiani <laughs> a little got bit. a little bit. Fabiani, the, oh. uh, the zebra prop, he <laughs> got a, he got a red card for biting. <laughs> well, well, that is all he's got. It nine weeks. Yeah, theoretically, I'm, I'm not a devil's advocate here. Theoretically, he got 18 weeks and it was cut to nine because it's his. Because he seasoned. Uh, as they he always do. Garlic, seasoned. salt, and pepper. <laughs> he seasoned. <laughs> like he before he went in. No, it's, it's not a laughing matter. It shouldn't it's, happen. It is a laughing it's matter. Not... It's an absolute joke that he's got yeah. nine weeks. Well, well laugh that, yeah. then. <laughs> 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 Beautiful. And the, but part of it is because he admitted the offence. I'm, I'm astonished. <laughs> no, actually, you got me. But you how, got does, me. how does Chris Ashton get 13, 14 know, weeks and he gets thing. nine weeks for that? Crazy. I mean, it is absolutely nuts. Right, let's move on to pool three. Pool three, Saracens riding high, top of pool three. Saracens, oh. Toulon Scarlet and Sale. Uh, the point I want to come into now, Ben, when we look, look at this, um, Saracens going great. Precious again on Toulon. And we start having to do our maths. Maybe it's a little bit too early to try and predict the absolute picture. But Toulon are in real danger of not qualifying for the knockout stages because of the way results are going other groups. Yeah, you sort of, they'll obviously have to pick up some, some away wins and, and you know, the game at uh, Allianz Park will be, it'll be all important. They, 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 what might actually do for them is bonus points. So they need to actually pick up some home wins with bonus points and they need to make sure that maybe when they get to uh, Allianz Park, the, the, the least they can come away with is a bonus point, but they probably need to, to win that as well. Mm. Stuart, problems for, for Saracens losing Maru Itoji. You'll know a good deal about this young man. He is a phenomenal player, out for six weeks. A blow for Saracens and a blow for England. We'll look at the injury. It just seems so innocuous, but you get injuries like this. You just don't know where they come from. Yeah, and I think um, he's been riding high, hasn't he? He's had a fantastic run. I think incredible 30-something games, 30-something starts and only one loss. So um, it, it's terrible for him, for Saracens and for England. But... You know, part and parcel of being a professional rugby player is getting injured and getting back, so I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine. Ben, we're going to be talking England a little bit later, but when you look at that injury so list, that is interest. an astonishing... Mm. And a lot of very, very young players in there injured. And, and a lot of players in, the, in similar positions. You know, Eddie Jones has been talking about trying to solve his number seven problem, and we've heard rumours coming out that he's looking at various players, and every time he names someone that, that might slot <laughs> in at seven, they get injured. So I think he'll be keeping his mouth shut. But England aren't the only... Um, international side with injuries. Wales have a few as well. It's not competitive, so. Well, no, 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 Liam Williams, of course, um, he was injured ankle on the weekend. Jake Ball, Rib, Scott Williams, ankle. George North, um, the injured hand, but he may play this weekend, we hear. Uh, Toby Faletau, um, he's not going to be risked. And Sam Warburton hasn't played for about four weeks. So I think, you know, is it kind of that time of the season? Because Wales, if, if all those players aren't fit, there are some experienced players there not, not, not to face Australia. Great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is that all I'm going to get on that? Are you serious? Well, you thought, that's my opinion. I'm, you know, I want England to win. I'm not. I will get your opinion. 
afterwards, okay? <laughs> we will be talking about this after. So the Anglo-Welsh opportunity for the young players to have their moment as the, the big guns are rested, or, as we're going to see, playing their international rugby. Three squads have been announced. We're waiting for the Irish squad to be announced, so, of course, we'll, uh, we'll comment on that when it happens. Uh, but, Ben, when you look at the England squad that Eddie Jones has announced, clearly a lot of injuries, but when you look at it, is it there? Is it a, a squad that can do the job? Yeah, it is. People are sort of saying, why is this not this guy not been coming in? Surely he's next in the pecking order. But I actually think if he's dropped too far down the pecking order, then he's not building for the future in particular. He's using people that he wouldn't have used. So Tom Wood coming back in has obviously got a lot of experience. He might even you know, get in on the bench. He might even start. We don't know. So um, he's had to change things around. But yeah, there's, there's potential there. But um, I think he'll still be quite nervous about facing South Africa without the right back five that, that he wanted to go in. I with. think there's four key players that they've lost. Obviously, uh, Atoji and Cruz, who've just been unbelievable as a second row partnership. Haskell is probably one of the first names on that team sheet because of his work rate, intensity at the tackle it was before he got injured. But then Noel. Noel does so much unseen work for a back, a blindside winger, takes a lot of pressure off the forwards in terms of his carries, and he'll be missed. Shall we do the second row back row chat now that Mara's injured? Who do, who do we think he's going to go to there, Stuart, if you were Eddie Jones? Yeah, I think he's got a few options there now, hasn't he? Obviously, two guys from Bath being called into the squad. Um, Charlie Ewell's obviously a young player who's coming through, doing fantastically well. He's probably more in the mould of Cruz, the real line-out technician, and, and gets on with his work there. And then Dave Atwood back in the fold as well, who um, I think is a fantastic player. He's very different to Marrow and, and, and the other guys, but um, you know he's a big lump and um, he's a very good sort of tight head second row. His set piece is, is world class. We saw a problem with, uh, with previous England performances against South Africa at Twickenham where they were bullied, they were shoved around. Now, this is not maybe a vintage South African team that we're seeing. Have we got, regardless of the, of the injuries, have we now got an England pack, we'll come on to the backs in a minute, who will not be bullied by a Springbok outfit? Yeah, without a doubt. I think, you know, their previous um, internationals have shown that, you know, they've got what it takes to, to win at the very highest level. And... Um, Obviously, there is, there is guys missing, but when that happens, the guys who come in, they're hungry to play for their country and hungry to do well at Twickenham. So I'm sure it will be a huge battle, but, but, but one that the boys are up to, definitely. Awesome. We saw the fixtures up there on the screen. The one that was highlighted, Australia, that falls outside the international window. That's crucial for the, for the release of players. Um, we talked about the forwards, and it's a powerful outfit. What about the backs? Not too much disruption, but you mentioned Noel. How does that change things, and how do you think the wings are going to shape up? Well, I think the spine of the back line will stay the same with Youngs, Ford, Farrell, Joseph and Brown at the back. And then your two wings, who replaces Noel and Watson? That's the big question. And one of the key things when you're playing international rugby, it's not really when you're playing on the wing. It's not how fast you are, how good your finishing is. It's more about how you communicate as a back three, how you move as a back three, what your kicking game's like, how good you are in the air. So I think Johnny May you know, just returned from injury. He's not played much rugby, but I think he could end up going straight in on that left wing. Also, if you think that both Rocco and Yard both play on the right wing, and it is very difficult to swap from right to left, unless you've done it and played in every position in the back line for your country. It's very, very difficult to do. Um, but Definitely to do well. <laughs> to do well. <laughs> so that, that, that has to be one of the factors when they're considering it as well, because both Yard and Rocco Daguni I've got a good kicking game, and Rocco is particularly good in the air, but I, I just think May has a little bit more of a rounded package, and also we've seen him score electric tries against New Zealand in, in years gone by. Let's talk about the Welsh squad then, shall we? Austin? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have 
have one Welsh fan standing right in the back. I feel like I should bring it forward. Security. Um, <laughs> a number of players who went to New Zealand not in the squad through injury and non-selection. Nine players who didn't make it go in. Um, but that's a pretty much tried and tested squad, isn't it? No major surprises. Two new caps in Sam Davis and Roy Thornton. Um, I want to speak about Sam Davis particularly, Ben, because uh, people waxing lyrical about him in Wales, thinking that you know he could, could bring a new dimension to the Welsh, Welsh way of play. What do you make of him? Oh, he's a great player, just his opportunity has been limited. World Player of the Year in 2013, yeah. having beaten Ardi Surveyor, Jack Clifford, who've both come through quicker. But the only reason he hasn't come through is because the club he's been at is where Dan Bigger has been making his name. But now this season, because Dan Bigger's on that dual contract, <laughs> he's been able to get some game time and they're almost sharing that workload. And, and he's come through and he's now challenging the man. So, so the Ospreys now have, have two guys competing for the same Welsh jersey, which is great for both of them, actually. That competition um, is there and, and I'm sure he will have learnt a lot from them. But he's obviously, you know, when you beat the quality of Ardi Surveyor to World Player of the Year at junior level, there's something about you. And... Maybe it's a good thing he hasn't been rushed through too quickly because yeah. sometimes we see uh, people rush through and, and um, you know, the, the, the pressure put on their shoulders at a young age and they don't quite kick on, whereas he obviously looks like he's going to. And obviously Rob Howley in charge, Austin. I don't even know if I should be asking you this question now because you're just going to bug me again. Nice oh, good, well done. Right, so Rob Howley in charge, um, no Warren Gatling. Can we expect kind of a, a, a difference in the approach of the Welsh team or would you expect him to keep it pretty much as is? I don't think you can say caretaker in charge, can you? But I think Rob's got his own ways. Warren Gatland, we all know about Warren Ball, about these one-off runners and working around the corner. But like you said, the, the, the group that is still playing is pretty much the same Welsh mm. side that we've seen over a number of years. Very, very experienced. They pretty much know how to play with, on the field as senior players that we spoke about earlier. So I can't see Wales changing that much. But they have got a really tough series of games yeah. there. There's no week off there. You know, in years gone by, you'd look at Japan and you think, yeah, we can have a little bit of an easy week here. It's, the intensity is not going to be quite as high. But Japan will go there thinking they can win. And, of course, it helps now that the Premiership have released the, the English-based players as well. To play yeah, against yeah, and so an agreement has been reached, yeah. which, is, uh, which is common sense. No, there, there's a little bit of friction, Hoops, in the, uh, in the selection of players now for, for Scotland. That's to do with releasing them because of money that the RFU feel is owed to the clubs for injuries. Uh, we won't send everyone to sleep discussing <laughs> that, but there are problems there. But when you look at the Scotland squad, no great changes. But a significant one for them is WP Nail. He is injured. He's gone. With his departure, do we now see a Scotland pack vulnerable again? Because when he arrived, the pack was solid. The backs had a platform to run off. Is that going to reverse now? I think it's absolutely key for them. I think the fact that they're, you know, they're with him in, in, in the scrum, their backs were on the front foot, and we all know about the quality of some of their backs. So it'll be interesting to see who steps up there. They've got some young guys who, who have played a little bit of international rugby and, and played very, very well for Glasgow. Um, if they can transfer that to the international stage and we can get those backs on the front foot again, then, then hopefully they'll do well. Austin, he's only gone for one really recognised fly half of Finn Russell. Uh, Peter Horn is selected as a fly half come centre. Is that. Is he a bit thin on the ground for fly halves? I think the luxury they've got is Laidlaw. We've seen Laidlaw play at 10 before, and if push comes to show, I'm sure he'll be placed in that shirt. Uh, but it's a big series for Russell. You know, we've seen him play pretty well so far at the start of this season. He needs to continue that through. And uh, actually, that, how he plays could define how uh, the Autumn Internationals go for Scotland. Well, we'll see how they unfold. It's going to be exciting times, but more to come from the Champions Cup. Leinster and Northampton began their campaigns in confident mood, but round two saw the two former champions on the road against French opposition, and the going wasn't quite as smooth.
So let's look at pool four. Leinster, top of the pile. Incredibly tight pool at the moment. Leinster on six points. Castro Montpellier on five. Northampton Saints on four. Um, let's look at Northampton Saints first. They're bottom of the pile. But uh, when a team has a disappointing defeat, as Saints clearly did uh, against Castro, the players will go to social media and say things. This is a tweet from from Tom Wood. This is what he has uh, said. Hard to know what to do with a result like that. Not many positives to take. Think we will just park it and come out swinging again on Friday. Uh, ben, that's just a pretty empty tweet, isn't it? Well, it, it's... It, I, I genuinely, you, know, you find this very difficult to believe to being an, an ex-Leicester Tiger, but I genuinely do feel a bit of sympathy with, with Northampton at the moment because whenever we see any of them interviewed or anything, they are they almost look a bit of a loss as to why they can't kick, gear, kick into gear. You know that. Pick-a-moles coming in has been really good for them. They, they've created some opportunities but not been able to finish them off. But they just seem to have lost that um, ability to get over the line that they've always been so strong at. So, I mean... It doesn't uh, make sense, does it? No. Uh, it, it's it, very hard to work it out. I mean, I know we're on the outside, but why would you sack Alex King? I mean, they haven't exactly signed a world-class backline, have they, for him to work with. He's had to deal with what he's had. Some of it's been ageing. They've got George North there, who's a fantastic player. They got, well, Foto Ali left for whatever reason, whether it was more money at Bath or the opportunity to do something else. So something's not right, and it's not right at the top, but, and they need to sort it out. But Jim Mallinder said, though, he said after the game, he said, you know, he acknowledges the fact that we have got great players, but we just need to put the confidence back into them. So how hard is that for a coach to, to you know, try and get that team confident again, Stu? Is it... Yeah, I think it's a difficult thing to do. I think um, it's probably the hardest thing for a coach to do. You know, if your running lines are not right or your line-out's not going well, you know, you, everyone's got drills to yeah. fix that. But when the guys are down on confidence and the guys aren't winning games that, that they see themselves winning previously, that's when it's quite difficult. Mm. Um, it obviously happened to us at Bath when, you know, previous season you do really, really well. You get to the next season and you're just, you're just grabbing hold of things saying, well, we were winning this last year. We were doing really well. Why is it not happening? And the players will be asking themselves that without a doubt. And that just breeds a bit of, um, you know, a bit of uh, problems within the squad because you, you start questioning everything. Just very quickly, I think the major problem is they're too lateral. Northampton play really good rugby when they get their big forwards running, like Pickamore, but slightly tighter and play a wrap pattern. They sort of play a lot of rugby behind the game and they distribute the ball to Myler, they go wide, but they don't, like Ben said earlier, earn the right to go wide enough and that just compounds itself if you keep doing it. Well, one team with no such problems, Claremont um, in pool five, um, 10 points, two bonus points wins for them. Ben, would you say the standout team so far? Yeah, and I think last year really hurt them when they should have got into the quarterfinals. Morgan Parra had a bit of a brain freeze and, and obviously tapped and went when they could have got the point to get them in there. Um, I think it really hurt that and, and that is what they are desperate to win Europe. Having been there twice before and, and not managed it, that, that is their, their major goal this year. And what do we say about Exeter? I mean, it was a better performance from them this weekend, but they just haven't quite got going this season yet, have they? In a lot of ways, similar to Northampton, they, they can't find <laughs> the form that they had. They've had a lot of injuries, particularly to their big ball carriers. We'll talk of that, about that a lot later. Um, and, and their game revolves around power, it revolves around a rap pattern, it revolves around getting over the gain line, and at the minute, they're not doing it. So you can't win if you're not playing to your strength. So a huge game then on Friday night between Northampton and Gloucester. Neither side have started particularly well, but Ben, this game, whoever wins this game, could really kickstart their Premiership season at least, couldn't it? Yeah, they just need both sides need a bit of confidence, and, and um, Gloucester have been starting some games pretty well and, and not finishing particularly well. So they, they need to uh, make sure that they they 
carry on that because they have to start big at Northampton. You think Northampton would come and try and bully them. They, we've seen even when it hasn't been going that well for Northampton, them starting big and dropping off. So I think if Gloucester allow Northampton get, to get into their stride, they'll struggle throughout the game. For Northampton, as Austin said, it's about getting that momentum first before they try and use the wide runners. Because when they do make a little bust, we've seen when George North's got, got some momentum for them, got them on the front foot, when uh, Pickamoles has, and then the backs cut those hard lines directly off uh, Myler at 10, then they look, at, they look back to what we expect from a Northampton side. Austin, this is the problem, is it? When you look at the stats from, from Northampton's performances, there hasn't been a big drop-off from previous seasons as far as possession and defence and conceding tries, but they've lost that cutting edge. Why do you think that is? Well, confidence is a big thing. Playing with a smile on your face is another, and uh, believing in your teammates. So I, I think there's, there's definitely, and both these sides almost mirror each other, there's, they're not necessarily happy camps. They're not camps where you think, oh, everything's going really well here. You know, you talk about laid law, is going to leave. We've heard rumours that Kovacic might be on his way and a number of other players out of Gloucester. And we've seen some of uh, the main players from Northampton over previous years leave. So, like you both said, I think that it's a massive night for Northampton. You've got Wood and Courtney Laws, who now have got a real chance of getting in that England starting uh, pack and really pushing their case. And that sometimes gives you a real drive as an international player, as someone who's lost out and then can come back in. And you start to lead from the front again. And I think that's what Northampton, they need to do. And you almost sense, I don't know if the guys feel the same, that they've put a little too much attention on Pickamol. He's an unbelievable player, but if you give the ball to someone 50 times during a game, he's going to get tired. Hoops, when you look at Saracens-Leicester, how do you see that one going? Saracens hit by injuries? Yeah, I think obviously hit by injuries and, and Leicester um, got a few injuries as well. So they're both massive physical sides, aren't they? And I think um, it's about you know, whether, whether the Leicester defence that we saw against Stad can, can close down the Saracens attack once it gets rumbling. What about Bath, the, the, the challenge facing Bath? You're having a great season. When you have a look at your fixture list, the next fixtures that are coming up, that is quite a test for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, the way these fixtures go will go a long way to determining how well we do this year and, and none more so than, than Sandy Park on Sunday. It's, it's always a great place to go. It's always an unbelievable atmosphere with the guys down there and, and Exeter always um, over the years, whether it's a Premiership and LV Cup game, pose a massive threat both physically and aerobically. They run you around and keep hold of the ball. So it's an exciting Sunday in prospect. Ben and I are going to look at this in, in a lot more detail. Very, very quick question, though, on, on, on Blackadder being in charge. He doesn't know anything about these, these grounds and the history of the grounds. Does that actually help that he isn't, hasn't bringing any baggage into these matches? Yeah, I think it does. And I think if you look at the, um, the, the game we won at the start of the year at Northampton, you know, that was very much just a game. We're going up, up the road to Northampton and, and we're going to play. And if we play well, we're going to win. And none of the stigma of 16 years of not winning there was attached to it. So it was very refreshing and, and worked. I'm delighted to say that the CEO of the uh, Movember Foundation, uh, Owen Sharp, is here. Owen, great to have you in the studios. Just give us a reminder what Movember is all about. So Movember is the, the month formerly known as November. Um, it's always been about guys growing moustaches. Um, but we've started to come up with other ways that um, people can get involved. And it's all about bringing the issue of men's health um, to the fore for everybody. Men's health is in crisis. Men die four years earlier than women. We want to highlight that fact and demonstrate that we can all do something about it. Just in case people are unaware, what are we talking about? with men's health? What's peculiar for men that well, women don't have to Well, there's lots of with. things peculiar about men, but the, the biggest thing that, that we concentrate on is prostate cancer, testicular cancer, 
and a particular emphasis on suicide prevention. 78% of people who take their own life are men. Um, and that means 13 men every day are taking their own life and it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, there's, there's terrible statistics and anything that can be done to, to lessen those is to be applauded. Um, rugby players, everyone, but particularly rugby players and, and teams and fans have really embraced Movember. Um, we see competitions between the clubs who can raise the most money, who can sport that most ridiculous moustache. But what is going to change this year? Is it the same approach or is there a new approach? Well, we always want to encourage people to grow moustaches and rugby clubs have been a fantastic example of it. Rugby has been a big part of Movember and have really promoted it. But this year we've also got a physical activity challenge called Move and also we're encouraging people to host their own events so that they can do people. So that means the whole community can come together. Uh, rugby clubs are all signed up, they all have their teams out there, so they're a big part of lots of people finding different ways to raise money but keep talking about this important issue. Tell me a little bit about this Move Like a Pro as well, what's that all about? So Move Like a Pro has been a partnership with Prem Rugby um, and frankly it's been about getting us slightly tubby guys out the stand and actually doing some physical activity on the field with uh, rugby professionals and rugby has really embraced it. Um, it's a standard course that runs across nine weeks and we know that it's having a real impact on men's health. We've got some great examples of guys who have actually really improved their physical and their mental well-being and that's all what we're about at Movember. Great stuff. Where are you going to be this weekend? We've got a big fixture list of uh, Viva Premiership matches. What are you going to be doing? Yeah, so we kind of take over nearly all rugby, really. This is a big launch point for us. Obviously, only a few days to go uh, for everybody to get ready to take part. Uh, we kick off tomorrow at Northampton, which is going to be a big thing for us, getting out there, spreading the word, and really getting the rugby community engaged, because they do a great job, and we need as many of them to take part as they can. Great stuff. We wish you all the best. Seems appropriate you're going to be down Northampton uh, Saints at Franklin's Gardens, because I know that Dylan Hartley absolutely loves does. getting the guys together for Movember. Well, we wish you all the very, very best. So they're going to be at your clubs. We start our coverage on Friday at Franklin's Garden, Northampton Saints against uh, Gloucester. Alex Corbusiera will be our guest from 7 o'clock BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD live. Then on Saracens, we'll be, uh, on Saturday rather, we'll be at Saracens, Alliance Park, Saracens against Leicester Tigers. Charlie Hodgson will be our guest from 2.30 on BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD live. And then Francois Lowe will be with us down at Sandy Park, Exeter against Bath, West Country Derby. That is from 2.30 BT Sport 1 and 4K UHD. Owen, thank you very, very much indeed. There's no one around us. The crowd is all over there, but I'm going to get them to give us a, a big round of applause. We wish you all the very best for Movember. Owen, well done. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks. <coughs> it's important. You're <coughs> welcome. Sure. Yeah. It's important to check as well as to raise money, but uh, I think you'll be all right. OK, we're going to take you through the Exeter versus Bath game from the viewpoint of the Bath coaches and the Exeter coaches. So, Todd Blackadder, he'll be saying, and his coaches will be talking to Bath. They've only lost one game so far this season. Start first up, they talk about Exeter and how vulnerable they are. They've only won two games this season, not had a great run. Important to get off to a good start. And when they look at the stats, they'll say it's an opportunity to really get stuck into them around the breakdown, around their strength. They place most of their rugby running off nine. They are missing some of their key ball carriers and it's really affected them on their gain line. Let's take a look at some of the stats. Some of the stats, as they say, 
The Exeter have more rooks than any other side in Europe. 96% success rate at the rook is very, very high, but you can quite happily let a side rook against you provided they don't make the gain line. 105 pick and goes is a massive number. We've got to get defenders in behind that rook. You've got to get your Garveys and your Mercers stood behind there so they can't come through the middle, or even better, one of your front five so they don't have to run too far. You look at where they play, they play most of their rugby Exeter off nine. 66% of ball carries are taken off nine. Of that 66%, even off 10 or, or 12 as well, they only offload 13%. Now that says to me that you can really double tackle them, smash the ball carrier, aim at the ball and try and drive them back before that gain line. One real area of strength of Exeter though is their wrap pattern in the 22. One of the key areas also against Exeter is they've got some very good kickers, Steenson, Slade, just two of them. But we want to encourage them to kick if we're bath. Another thing on the kick return is if we receive that kick, let's not play in our own half. They're very good. Salvi at the breakdown. Let's not mess around. Let's clear the ball back and just encourage Lackey Turner to run. Let's give him some fake holes, close those holes, and then really pile into that first rook. Three, four guys counter-rooking, getting over the ball. And for us, in terms of our attack, I think it's all about our first phase. We've not been the best. We need to improve our set piece. But... When we get the ball out to our backs, we can go direct with Banahan through the middle. We can go round the corner with Ford. And then we've got Joseph matching up against Witten. That has to be our target area. Our width on our plane and our ability to attack wide very, very quickly from first phase or driving lineouts. And if we lose the toss, sorry, if we win the toss, I'd like us to play into the wind because our stats show that if we can have a high tempo first half, hold them out defensively when they've got the elements, we always come strong in the second half. We've got to believe in ourselves as well. We've only lost one game this season. And if we can believe in ourselves and hold them tight at half-time, I think our fitness and our rugby talent will see us through. Right, so I'm going to take Rob Baxter now and the Chiefs. So first of all, just in general, our time in possession usually is much higher than anyone else. We average in the Premiership two minutes more with the ball in hand, which is a massive amount than any other team. But actually, are we using it wisely? Last week, we only had 30% possession. We had a similar result. We only lost by uh, that, that last-minute drop goal not going over. So are we wasting some of our energy? We have to be more efficient because Bath are supremely efficient. They kick loads of ball away more than any other team in the Premiership. So actually, let's test them. They probably don't want to play with the ball too much. We might end up with a bit of kick tennis. We have to be patient. Just looking at areas we can attack them. First of all, the driving line-out. When they played against Leicester and they had that big loss at Leicester, Leicester scored a driving line-out against them. They also scored a pick-and-go off the back of a driving line-out. We're really good in this area. We haven't been quite as good this year, but it's a major strength of ours. We're going to focus on that all week, making sure it's tip-top going into the game. Creating momentum. Austin said before, we've lost a lot of our big ball carriers, the likes of Don Armand, Dave Ewers. So when we do that pick and go in the tight game, we're not getting over the gain line. As a result, our star centre pairing and uh, Steenson, they're not used to having the ball on the back foot. So we've actually got to create some momentum from somewhere else. And if we haven't got an opportunity, let's kick it back to them. But let's play with a bit more variation. Austin said about how close we play to the breakdown. I think Bath are going to be very tight this weekend. And we saw last week Leicester just going to that third man when they played looking at the defense set piece massive opportunity for us they've been poor in that area this week let's have a quick look at the stats this year so 75% of scrums and they're giving away a lot of penalties in this area opportunity for Steno to get the scoreboard ticking and 86% of lineouts that's how many they've won we can still disrupt the ball that they win which means that George Ford and the star back line that they have aren't going to have the sort of ball that they want to use because Khan Foto Ali he's going to be dealing with bobbling ball so big opportunity for us there 
Going back, they are so ruthless in the red zone. I said they don't play much with the ball, but when they do, because they, they, they haven't had it, they go up through the gears. We have to be able to, we'll be used to having the ball. We'll be in the comfort zone of having our ball. When we're defending, we have to switch, uh, flick that switch, go through the gears and meet them. We've got to get off the line because Ford, if we give him time, is going to cause us problems, but we have to stay in line. If we come out of the line, he's the best on the balance of kick, run and pass. So if we come out of the line, he'll spot that opportunity to throw a ball and miss out uh, the, the guy that's created the dog leg. Kicking uh, in attack as well as defence. So let's make sure our sweeper is playing a, a huge role there. Just covering across, making sure any of those attacking dab throughs are picked up. Uh, but, but also the drop goal as well. We've seen him kick a lot of drop goals this year. So everyone around the breakdown has to be on the front foot. The centre pairing in, in alliance with Ford is a real danger that we're going to be worried about. Firstly, because Banahan running tight is it's that perfect centre pairing of a con confrontational player and Joseph who likes to go on the wide arc. So if we get a separation in our defensive line, we're going to have some problems. Um, so every week we ask you, the pundits, um, your predictions for the forthcoming weekend. Let's have a look at where you guys went for this week. So Prem picks round seven. Ah, only one difference of opinion, that being Saracens against Leicester. Oz, why have you gone for Leicester, given that they've never won at Allianz? Because uh, I used to play for them and I really like them as a club. <laughs> <laughs> Any other particular reason? Not really. No, just that. Yeah. Uh, why have you gone for Saris? I think just the number of injuries Leicester have got. As you said, they've never won at Allianz Park. It's not a good time to be going without that number of injuries. And despite Saracens having injuries as well, they're just supremely confident at home. So it'll be a tough, tough afternoon for Leicester. All, all the others kind of simple Exeter decisions? Was, Exeter was a little bit close. I think the fact that Bath haven't played any of the of the top teams yet um, it, it is a is a big factor in that. Um, but yeah, Exeter Bath w was a close one. Uh, but the reason I didn't go for them was because Austin was uh, coaching Bath this week. And they Austin, got no <laughs> <laughs> you both went for Saints at home to Gloucester. We we went into Northampton in quite some depth earlier on in the show. What about Gloucester? Do they not have a chance? Oh no, I think they've got a great chance. Particularly if they get off to the same sort of start they did down at Exeter a few weeks ago. If they get off to that start, this is a game of the confidence, isn't it? And all coaches talk about the first 20 minutes, particularly if you're not playing particularly well. Gloucester get off to that great start. Northampton at home, their crowds will be on their back a little bit after what's been going on in recent weeks and uh, they need a massive game, the Saints, but I think they'll produce it. So will you go along with them? Um, uh, <laughs> except for the last one. No, <laughs> maybe not the last one. <laughs> Completely disagree with one of them, but um, <laughs> no, I think, yeah, some great matchups there and um, Northampton and Gloucester in particular. Friday but one of the things we've noticed, I mean, it's been quite hard this year because we've had some really bizarre results that we weren't expecting. We all went for Saracens to beat Harlequins and Harlequins put in a good shift. So it's, it's such a tough year to predict, I, I think, because although teams aren't playing well, they're pulling out these amazing performances. Thanks very quickly, Bath, we're up against Bristol in the Challenge Cup. Bristol take on Sale Sharks at home at Ashton Gate. Could they get their first home win? Yeah, I think they could. I think they could. I think, you know, their first five games in the Premiership this year were against the top five from last year. So they've had a tough start. They've got some quality players. So I think, uh, I think they might do it. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll see you again soon. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.